Welcome to Fertile Minds Radio. Here you'll find wisdom for your fertility journey and beyond, chosen specifically to help you trust your body and elevate your spirit so you can enjoy the process. Join us and see what a fertile mind feels like. Now your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland. You are listening to Fertile Minds, episode 51, part two of natural beauty products worth your money that won't wreck your fertility. Welcome back. I'm your host, Hilary Talbot Roland, your go-to gal for all topics surrounding your fertility and a healthy pregnancy that your doc won't necessarily talk to you about. So if you listened last week to episode 49, you know that we delved into the top 10 chemicals that you want to avoid in your beauty products. And then we started to list off some of our favorites that we use and are totally worth trying out. Because there were so many, we actually had to make this into a two-part episode because I know not everybody has 90 minutes at a clip. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to finish up with all of those yummy green beauty products that every girl should try. And I want to share with you a little story first from one of my mentors, Ray Rubio. He was instrumental in helping me navigate the fertility specialty at the beginning of my practice a decade ago. And unfortunately, Ray has passed on. What you're going to hear today is actually part of his keynote speech that he did via video uh, last year at the International Fertility Symposium in Canada that I attend because he actually was too sick to be there. And he was really big on sharing your story. So if you listen to the PCO episode where I shared a lot about my life in the beginning, that was because of Ray. And he had the fortune of apprenticing himself to Dr. Shen for 10 years, which my main mentor in school, Dr. Leon Hammer, also apprenticed himself to for 20 years. After he was a psychotherapist for 20 years, he fell in love with Chinese medicine and specifically the pulse. And he learned from Dr. Shen this amazing diagnostic ability. And people come from all over the world to study with Dr. Hammer still, even though he's in his 90s. Um, And I was fortunate enough to study with him. So while I never got to know Dr. Shen because he had passed on by the time I came into Chinese medicine, I was fortunate to have two great mentors who just amassed a wealth of information from him. And as you're going to hear in this story, sometimes the information is just really about using common sense as a practitioner. And I would just hope that you would use common sense too while you're navigating your own fertility challenges. I want to drive home that sometimes we make it more difficult than it needs to be and that there's really a lot that we can do that's very simple in our day-to-day lives, which is a big reason as to why I do this show. And I do think that you will absolutely know who Dr. Shen's patient is, if you are fashion savvy at all, which I find amazing. He had the opportunity to treat many famous individuals because his office was on Fifth Avenue in New York City back in the the day when uh, Chinese medicine was first starting out and he had quite the reputation. So just a reminder that if you want links to all of these products, you can follow me on Instagram at LadyPotions4U. That's the number four and the letter U. You can also um, input my name, Hillary Talbot Roland, into Instagram and it should come up as well. And if you want to find this podcast and others that are like it, I encourage you to download the app Parents on Demand. That is in any app store for um, Google phones as well as Samsung and iPhones. So if you don't use iTunes directly, this is a great way to just queue up those episodes all the time. And you will recognize many of the podcasts on there as they are people that have been guests on our show. 
So without further ado, here's my quick clip from Ray talking about one of his experiences observing Dr. Shen and the famous Chanel. Some of you know that um, I had the great fortune to study with Dr. John Shen for the last 10 years of his life. And the part that I loved the most um, in sitting with Dr. Shen and studying with Dr. Shen was watching him with patients and watching him perform case studies and examine these patients and explain what was going on with them because it really helped me to think and to understand what a doctor of Chinese medicine does, whether it's with fertility or rheumatoid arthritis or, or whatever it is, you know, those mysterious cases that always end up at our doorsteps because Western medicine can't figure it out. You know, that's, that's kind of how Chinese medicine excels. And, and I'd like to share some of that with you today so that you can come away and, and feel, feel like you have a new, a new way of approaching things. Dr. Shen used to say that um, being a good doctor of Chinese medicine is, he used to say it's like, it's like being like that English detective. He could never remember Sherlock Holmes' name, so that's what he called him, the English detective. And it really is like that, you know? It's, it's being able to read between the lines and see the clues and see things that patients aren't telling you and see things by observing them, uh, not just asking them questions. I remember one time I was with Dr. Shen in his office in... Uh, New York, I would go out and I'd sit with him for a week or two and watch him do patients uh, in addition to running errands and picking up his relatives at the airport and you know, all the other stuff I had to do. Um, but that was, you know, par for the course. And it was at the end of a day. And normally what would happen with Dr. Shen is, you know, I'd sit there in the office and patients would come in one after another and he'd sit on one side of the table and they'd sit on the other side of the table and Dr. Shen would say, you know, what's your problem? That was his shorthand for, you know, what's going on with you. And so they would start to tell him what was going on with them. And he'd ask very pointed questions about when did it start? When is it better? When is it worse? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and then he would um, feel their pulse. And he had a little pulse pillow on the table. And he, he had his watch out and he would feel their pulse and count it and make notes. And then he'd feel their, you know, the other pulse and count it and make notes. Then he would look in their eyelid and then he would ask them to stick their tongue out and he'd ask some more questions. And then that, that was it, you know, then he would tell them a few things. And typically he would, he would, because the whole time he was doing the pulse diagnosis, he was also doing Palmer diagnosis and facial diagnosis. He would start to tell them, you know, this is when this started. And maybe you remember when you were 10 years old, this happened, blah, 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 blah. That, you know, they'd just be astounded, and I'd be astounded. And he would be picking this stuff up, like, this is how it started. And then he would tell them to go wait in the waiting room, and he would write an herbal formula, and they'd come back in, and he'd tell them how to take it, and he'd say, okay, come back in two weeks, take your herbs, get lots of rest, etc. And so that was kind of how it went. You know, he'd see, like, ten patients a day. No, he, he had assistants that did acupuncture, stuff like that, but he just did the herbal formulas and did the diagnosis. And... This one time, it was like at the end of a day, we're in New York, and this woman comes in, very high class, dressed to the nines, and she comes in with this whole retinue of followers with her. And, you know, usually Dr. Shen would only allow the patient in, and sometimes if they were really, really sick, he'd allow their spouse in, but I'd never seen him allow like four or five people to follow a person into a room before. 
So she came and she sat down and all of her people were behind her. And turns out this woman was one of the Chanel family. So from Paris, extremely wealthy, had flown over that day just to see Dr. Shen. And that's why all those people were with her because they were all of her handlers. And Dr. Shen sat her down and you know, said, you know, what's your problem? And she started, you know, bursting into tears and, you know, was just beside herself, obviously clearly distraught. And she said that about two years prior to that appointment, she had started having blinding migraines just out of the blue. And they were debilitating and nothing helped. Pain relievers barely touched it. Sitting in the dark didn't help. And obviously as a child of the Chanel fortune, seeing the best doctors in Europe was not an issue. She saw a natural doctor. She saw holistic doctors. She was admitted to the best institutes everywhere. No one could figure out what was causing her headache. She, she had CT scans to see if she had space occupying lesions. She hadn't bumped her head. She, you know, she, it was just on and on and on and no one could figure out what was going on with her. So, Dr. Shen kind of, you know, was looking at her and asked her some more questions. And then, like I said, he, he felt her pulse, you know, uh, for a few minutes, made some notes, looked in her eyelid for a few minutes, made some notes, looked at her tongue. And then he kind of sat back and he, he looked at her and he said, so, you know, where, where are you staying in New York? She's, she said, well, you know, we're staying at the plaza. And he says, oh, I've stayed there many times. He said, are you seeing a show? She said, no, I just came to see you. And she started crying again. She was obviously very, very distraught. She said, you know, Dr. Shen, I know you're, you're trying to be nice, but, you know, I, I didn't really come here to socialize. You're my last hope, and I, I don't know what to do, and I can't keep living like this. And, you know, it was so painful to watch this poor woman suffering. And Dr. Shen, you know, patted her hand for a second. He's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And he leans back and he looks at her and he says, he says, you know, because I think maybe two years ago, right before these headaches started, you started using a new eyeliner. And she said, she said, yeah, that's, that's when we launched our new 24 hour mascara eyeliner that would stay on for 24 hours. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said this, that's the cause of your migraines. He said, it's going directly into the bloodstream and directly into the brain. That's why it's not showing up on any labs and it's causing this allergic reaction. That's, that's why you're getting these headaches all the time. Because if you stop using that, the headaches will go away. And her tears slowly dried up and she, she, you know, she stopped and I, I was staring at him like, you know, what are you, Jesus now? I mean, how does that happen, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you don't need herbs. Just, you know, stop wearing this eyeliner and, and you'll be fine. And sure enough, that was, that was the end of her migraines right then and there. And after she left, I asked him, I said, you know, how did you figure that out? And he said, well, he felt in the pulse that there was this kind of turbulent quality that felt like inflammation. He wasn't sure what the cause of the inflammation was until he did the eyelid thing. When Dr. Shen, one of his diagnostics was to check the eyelids, especially the lower conjunctiva of the eyelids. And he said you could see if there was chemical inflammation or drug abuse inflammation or prescription drug inflammation or injuries. You could see this in the lower eyelid. And so he said when he looked at her lower eyelid, he saw there was inflammation. But what was most interesting to him, because he saw patients all day, every day, and checked their eyelids in all 
women every day, he said it was the first time that when he checked the eyelid, he got the mascara on his finger and he couldn't get it off when he had a little tissue by his thing. He said that was the clue that gave it away. Because normally when he checked their eyelid, he'd get some on his finger and he'd just wipe it off on a Kleenex. This one, it wouldn't come off. So he knew there was something different about this. And he saw the inflammation and he put two and two together and that was the cause of her headaches. And the reason I tell that story is because, you know, sometimes I think we think that a, di a Zongfu diagnosis or a Zongfu pattern is a diagnosis, when in reality a Zongfu diagnosis is a way of reframing the imbalance in the patient. But real Chinese medicine takes a step back and tries to see what caused that imbalance, right? If we presume that most patients are in homeostasis and are in balance, what caused them to become out of balance? And when did that start? You know, I remember Dr. Shen would see patients sometimes that came in and based on their pulse and based what he saw on the eyelids, he would find, and based on their facial diagnosis, he would see these, these old injuries that may have happened like when they were 10 years old or something and they fell off a, a horse or something, or they had a skateboard injury. And later in life, it would lead to fatigue or disorientation or headaches or whatever. And he would say, well, that's, that's because when you're young and you get an injury like that, the chi and blood circulation is so strong, you can rebound from it. When you're older, those old injuries catch up, right? And when the chi and blood needs are consumed with daily life, there's not as much to go to repair things like that. And so you'll start to feel the effects of it. You know, he used to say that before the age of 30, we can cheat disease. And after the age of 30, disease catches up. So, you know, today as part of my talk, I want to, I want to emphasize knowing what your story is, looking at your story and, and seeing the miracles in it, uh, knowing how to do rewrites in your story, right? Like a good script, uh, surrounding yourself with a good cast, right? Because that's part of what makes your story compelling and manageable and also sharing your story. Isn't that an amazing reminder of how simplicity and common sense plays a part in our own healing? I just really hope that you take that message home today. So without further ado, we're going to go into part two and list some of those yummy green products that Katrina uses and loves and even I use and love I would say about a third of them okay so we're gonna switch gears into hair okay. <laughs> because much like you know Rachel from friends hair's hair's really important to me it is. <laughs> and I washed my hair a lot living in Florida I am unfortunately not one of those people that can go days even with dry shampoo however, there are a couple good dry shampoos out there to help you stretch how much shampoo you're putting in your head, right? Yes. So two that I really love, uh, the Kaya Naturals. This is a newer product. It is tinted. So there's a blonde version and a brunette version. If you have like red hair or black hair, the brunette version is going to work for you as well. It does have some charcoal in it. So it helps absorb any oils. And I don't know what essential oils in combination they use to scent this, but it smells amazing. Completely obsessed with it. So, and it, they use a, a poof 
as well to get it into your hair. So it does help disperse it a little bit better. And then my original dry shampoo that I loved and still use, and guys, I've tried like every clean dry shampoo out there. (laughs) So this was my original love was Captain Blankenship. It is a white powder, so it can be a little bit more challenging to work with, but it is a more economical option than the Kaya Naturals is and also smells amazing. And I believe you can actually get this one at Sephora. They're carrying that line now. So it's really great to see some of those larger, more conventional stores going in the way of green beauty. So keep your eye out for those. And I will say, if you are still using aerosol dry shampoos, (laughs) those are filled with butane (laughs) and a smattering of other carcinogenic endocrine disrupting, I I don't even want to say chemicals, I would just say killers (laughs) that you're spraying on your skin. And you know, just a reminder, a part of why I did this is your skin is your biggest organ. It is the most absorbent thing in your body. We sometimes forget. We think that our skin is like this, I don't know, armor (laughs) that nothing gets through. And in reality, it's just like sucking up everything it comes into contact with. So that's probably one of the number one things to throw out is if you're using aerosol dry shampoo. I remember when you like yelled at me about the butane in my dry <laughs> shampoo and I was so thoroughly like obsessed with the one I was using that was so dirty and literally the first ingredient was like butane and you were like, are you not getting headaches? Are you not feeling sick? And I was like, eh. <laughs> but once it was brought to my attention, I was like, okay, there's got to be something better out there. And it did take me a while to find a clean one that I felt like really performed. And also my trick for dry shampoos is put this in your hair before you go to bed. The Kaya Naturals is actually designed and marketed like that, but I've always used my dry shampoo before bed because you want to like before the oil starts to build up in your hair, if you put the product in, then you kind of won't ever see that build up as opposed to trying to soak it up after the fact. Okay. So the other thing that you can do is to use natural shampoos. And I will say I have completely noticed this since making the switch. Your conventional shampoos with foaming agents and lathering agents actually make your scalp more oily long term, even though it feels cleaner because you get that like squeaky clean feeling sometimes. um, It is absolutely doing the opposite. And this is when I will admit that I've struggled with is finding the right shampoo for my oily hair and climate, but you have some good suggestions. Yeah. And the thing with switching from conventional shampoos and conditioners to cleaner ones is it's one of those products where you're going to go through almost like a detox phase because your body has been overcompensating and creating more oil because your conventional shampoos are stripping all that out of your hair. So once you start using more natural products, your body almost has to catch up in a way and recognize that it can now slow down its oil production. So my holy grail shampoo and conditioner is the Innersense line. I use their pure hair bath and they have a couple of lines. So just a a pure line that's for normal hair. They have a color line that's for colored hair. And then they have a hydrating line, which I've used that one as well. And even though I have what I would consider to be oily hair, even though my natural, my oil production has slowed down to its natural rate now that I'm using cleaner products, 
but there's something about their hydrating shampoo that still will hydrate my hair, but not leave it feeling heavy or greasy or anything. So really, really love that inner sense line, but you are going to have to play around with it. And remember that detox period, you may go through a couple of weeks where you're feeling like your hair is weighted down, it's more oilier, and it's really because the products aren't stripping your hair like the conventional ones are. Yep. And that goes for conditioner as well. You might yep. notice that you need less conditioner mm-hmm. as you're putting less chemicals on your hair. That At least that was my experience. And I like the Innocence Shampoo. I've tried Avalon Organics. I like them as well. But I do, for my conditioner, I like a Curie. They have a pumpkin argan oil that, or argonon oil that I like because I only need to use a little bit and it takes care of the tangles and it's um, a trusted brand as well. So how about like the, the bigger picture of the skin? So body washes and moisturizers. Sure. So body washes, Olivia has a probiotic body wash that's super gentle. Um, I know you can use this on kids as well. Of course, you're going to have to, with any natural product, you're going to have to see how your skin reacts to it. I also really love the Meow Meow Tweet bars of soap. Um, This also helps reduce your plastic consumption, which I'm big on as well. Um, And then there's also a originally Canadian line that's been growing in the U.S. called Sage. I really love their bar soaps as well. I love everything Sage does. (laughs) When I go to their store in Vancouver, I spend like a small fortune stocking up on oils for the year. I think when we went to Vancouver, how many times did we go in their store one weekend? Like every day. (laughs) (laughs) Just huffing the air. It smelled so good. Um, They have really great all-natural perfumes too. So that's another big one that I even forgot about when we were prepping for this because it's just fragrance is one of those things that it's a proprietary blend so you don't have to disclose what's in it. And oftentimes it's filled with endocrine disruptors. And I thought I would never, ever stop loving my anthropology perfumes and and a couple others. But now after using oils instead, when I smell perfumes, they smell slightly offensive to me. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Like I can't believe I used to wear Chanel. Yeah. (laughs) I've, I've found the more I've gotten into the natural realm and the more products I use. Yeah. When I'm walking through the mall and, you know, walk by... The fragrance counter, or yeah, they try and the spray you? Ca- or like Bath and Body Works, or something like that. Oh, I get an instant headache. Yeah, those synthetic fragrances are just so obvious now, and yeah, my body reacts really poorly to them, which I think is a great thing because right. it's my body is saying like this is bad for you. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming at first. I've had to ask myself like, have I made myself into a canary by using <laughs> everything clean and natural? But if you're trying to have a baby, that's kind of what you want. That's what yeah. actually happens to your sniffer when you're pregnant, right? So that's um, highly primordial in the fact that your sense of smell goes way up. That's because before refrigeration, you had to be able to tell if food was spoiled when you were pregnant because it could make you really sick with something like listeria. So it's it's a built-in mechanism for your sniffer to be off the charts when you're pregnant. And if you can refine that before, chances are you're not going to accidentally slather your kid in something toxic. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's really cool. Okay. Well, I, my nose is there. (laughs) (laughs) My mom used to tell me I had a pregnant nose when I was a kid because I would wake up and be like, who ate garlic? (laughs) I could just smell it coming out of people's skin. Um, 
Okay, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to get to beauty boxes in a second, but we're going to talk about my favorite and my biggest trial and probably the biggest thing that you could try and fix, which is deodorant. This is a rough one for me because I'm in like, I'm doing body work sometimes on people. So like I said, I'm sometimes I'm warm. I mean, if you're trying to relax and somebody has BO, like that's disgusting. (laughs) However, you know, I have breast cancer and Alzheimer's in my in my family history, unfortunately. So I am pretty sensitive to the fact that aluminum is no bueno. And I decided to go through this project of trying all natural deodorants. And, you know, I live with three boys and my husband. So I nicknamed the project Burrito Pits. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm always telling them they stink, right? (laughs) You know, watching them all go through puberty, there are some special smells. And so I I basically was like, hey, guys, you have license to you get to get back at me and tell me if I stink, like even a little bit. I need to know about it. (laughs) Uh, But I did make one cardinal sin. And that is that. And I wish that somebody had told me this prior, but I didn't know that I needed to detox my armpits first. Yeah. So remember how we were talking about your hair going through that kind of like detox period? Your pits are going to do that even in a bigger way. Sorry, I hate to break it to you, but it's just what it is. My lymph lymph nodes swelled, like palpably swelled to the point where I was like, I went and got a mammogram because I was like, oh "Oh my God, what's happening? And then I realized it was just all the crud trying to come out, which was even more alarming. Yeah, it is. I mean, the way aluminum is working in your antiperspirants is it's blocking your pores. It's stopping the sweat from coming out. And we all know that sweat contains toxins in it, the stuff that our body is trying to rid itself of. So deodorant's a really hard one. I struggled with it, but I pushed through it. And my biggest trick is that you do have to go through that detox period. And there are a few things you can do. Making a detox mask for your armpits. I know that sounds funny. We all may mask our faces, but for your pits, they will love it. Um, I use betonite clay and apple cider vinegar. You can also mix it with just water if you prefer, if the apple cider vinegar is uh, too active for you. And then once or twice a week after your shower, just mix up this mask, put it on your pits, leave it there as long as you can. I always feel really silly walking around like with my hands in the air (laughs) trying to make sure my armpits are, you know, it's drying and you're like chimpanzee style. Yeah, yeah, that it's actually uh, working on all of the skin there. But that's something that will really help draw the toxins out. Because we live in such a humid, sweaty climate, it can be hard to find a natural deodorant that works. So a couple of other tricks that I like, I use Kaya Naturals has a charcoal detox soap bar. So I use that in the shower in the evenings, uh, make like a little paste in my hands and then put that on my pits and let that sit there for about 45 seconds. And it really helps absorb any scents, bacteria, anything like that. Like I said, we live in a really humid climate. We are always sweaty, so it can be a challenge. But if we can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I find the other trick is carrying a travel size with you because I think like sometimes you as a woman, if you think you smell, it like takes over your thought process, right? Yeah, it does. Just being able to sneak in the bathroom and freshen up and be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm good now alleviates that. So absolutely. 
Speaking of deodorants themselves, I have two absolutely favorite deodorants, Meow Meow Tweet. It's a low baking soda, which that was one of the struggles I had with switching to deodorant initially is I'm one of those people that's really sensitive to baking soda and deodorants. I got a massive just rash, just red sore armpits, and I kept trying to push through it and my skin kept reacting really poorly to the point I finally quit and went back to conventional again and then figured out it was the baking soda so recommitted found uh, either no or low baking soda deodorants and those are out there meow meow tweet is one of them that is lower agent nature has a sensitive skin deodorant that doesn't have any baking soda in it i really love that one if you can tolerate baking soda though it's going to make this transition go even easier for you yeah that was one of the things that happened to me too i got red and itchy and i have really sensitive skin i have histamine intolerance so it's not uncommon for me to get exposed to something external or internally and end up with full body hives, which is wildly unpleasant. But when I was going through the deodorant thing, I would find one that worked and then it would build up. And I I think I mistakenly thought that it was essential oils for a while, but in reality, I think it was the baking soda. Yeah. And so, you know, there might be a couple transitions where you have to, you know, you start, you get fall back in the habit of using conventional deodorant and then you, you know, start detoxing again with the masks prior to going back. That was a, a help for sure. And then finding the one that works for you and being open to change too, because just because one works for a while doesn't mean that it will forever as your body chemistry changes. It's just like conventional deodorant, right? Absolutely. And this is something I still rotate my deodorants on a fairly regular basis. I mean, the Agent Natura and the Meow Meow Tweed are kind of my two favorites, but I've got several others in the lineup that I've got at home that I rotate in every once in a while. And I think that really helps my body maintain that freshness. And I know I'm sweating, but I'm not smelling. Right. And, you know, if you're detoxing internally, too, at the same time, you know, you're eating better, you're exercising, not, you know, too much, but just light cardiovascular work three days a week. Um, you know, over time, what you're going to see happen, especially if you've eliminated caffeine and alcohol, is that the smell of your sweat is actually going to become less and less offensive. (laughs) I can always tell if I've like, eaten something really bad. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, God, what is, you know, what is coming out of me, right? And, And, you know, I think we all kind of go through that, but nobody talks about it. So we're the chicks that are actually having this conversation. We're going to talk about it. (laughs) And I think it's really, really important, not just for helping you to get pregnant, but as women, you know, we teach our, our children, our daughters, and we teach our, our sisters too. I didn't even realize this. I had my sister and I were having this text conversation about, I had sent her a picture of my son going to homecoming And she was like, oh, man, I just flashed a mom with the disposable cameras. And I was like, yeah, all I could think about was the maroon velvet dress I wore. And she's like, oh, I remember watching you put on your makeup and being so enamored. And like, and I didn't even know that. And she unknowingly, she learned how to put her makeup on watching me, right? Yeah. And probably other beauty products as well. So what a great gift to be able Mm -hmm. to just right away teach your daughters and your friends and your siblings to Uh, live a little bit cleaner and, you know, not just help us as humans, but the planet, right? Because oftentimes all of these products come in biodegradable packaging without plastic or um, seed boxes that you can even plant. I've seen a couple of those. So all in all, you know, I do feel like it is worth the price point. 
I kind of feel like you pay now or you pay later with your health. Absolutely. And, and natural products aren't cheap. So, you know, those drugstore brands, those makeup products that are cheaper, there's a reason it's cheap. It's because the chemicals that they're using are easier to find, but they're not great for you. They're not helping your body. If you have a buildup, they're just going to be making you sicker. So I definitely spend a lot more money on my natural products, but I look at it as such an investment into my health. And I can change, I can see a big difference in how my skin reacts and um, it just feels and looks healthier. I feel like I need less facials when I yeah. use natural products. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's kind of like that hurdle in the 90s when everybody was like, oh, it's so expensive to eat organic. And for a while it was. But I feel like that that gap is closing, especially as consumers are becoming more aware through things like Instagram, which has been great for these small companies right. and people to be able to order direct and just cut out the middleman. So one of the other ways that you can go about trying these products, if you don't want to just pick one that we have suggested, which has become pretty pervasive because it is so wildly overwhelming to know how to change everything up is beauty boxes, which is a little bit like roulette, right? Yes, it can be. <laughs> but you've tried quite a few. I've tried. Yeah, I've tried a couple. So Beauty Heroes has a great beauty box. It's around a $40 a month price point. You, They have what's called their hero product, and then they have a sidekick. So it's generally two to three products you'll get from the same line. Uh, it could be something for your body. It could be a hair product. It could be makeup. It could be skincare. So you never know what you're going to get, kind of like roulette, but they're products are really intentionally selected. You're generally getting about uh, $100 or more products each month. So really beautiful one to look at. Art of Organics is another one. You do have to buy at least two boxes of the Art of Organics. However, they might combine lines. So you might get two or three products that are from the same line. You might get a combination of products from them, but a really, another really nice clean beauty box. And then the third one that I really love is by the Organic Bunny. It's her bunny box. So Amanda, the Organic Bunny started as a green beauty blogger. She then uh, started selling her own green beauty boxes. It's a combination of products each time. It could be snacks even, but a lot of heavily beauty based. And she even now has a green beauty store, which is a great resource for a lot of these products that I've talked about today. She has really high standards. So I know that that's one of those resources I can go to where I can trust anything that's coming out of her store. And like I said, the bunny box that she sells, she still has those high standards. It's actually where the Harvest mascara that I'm obsessed with came from. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> and you can find her on Instagram at, at Organic Bunny, right? Yeah, so you can follow her on Instagram at Organic Bunny, and she's constantly highlighting the products that are in her bunny box or that are available in her online store. And she really is that super, super girly glam girl that now has exceptionally high standards for her makeup. So really great resource for you guys if you're looking to make switches on any items. Okay, that was a ton of information. 
<laughs> I feel like if you're listening, you know, don't be overwhelmed. You can make one or two changes, you know, just commit to maybe you set a budget for yourself, yeah. right? And over the course of six months, you're going to slowly try things, you know, even just $50 a month of swapping out your products when one dies is a great way to go about it. Yeah. Uh, unless you're completely OCD like me and you throw everything out of your bathrooms at once. It is overwhelming guys. And this is something that took me years to make the switch on. So I really kind of started with like we talked about that facial oil. And then I started thinking about what are the products that I'm putting on every day and slowly switching those out my deodorant, my shampoo, conditioner, and then makeup was probably one one of the later ones because there's also that a little bit of fear. Oh yeah, makeup was not going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was all about like the lotions and the mm-hmm. the things that were obvious, right? Yeah. And like my shampoo, I'm like, okay, what if I can't use you know sudding agent in my dishwasher anymore because it's killing fish? Why am I? Why is it in my shampoo? <laughs> right? <laughs> like oh, that was scary. Yeah, and but that was really hard to get over too. The fact that it, my hair didn't like lather. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, makeup was the last frontier because it's your face that you put forward. And, you know, I like to say that I'm, you know, I'm not completely crunchy granola. I'm like trail mix. I'm somewhere in between, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, especially with my skin issues, I, I, I went through a couple periods where I would just get really upset and toss everything. And it has made a difference. And I hope that it makes a difference for you, specifically your fertility, what you pass down and what you teach your daughters and your, your friends and your siblings. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. Yes. Yeah. And um, thank you for listening. And hopefully you will find us on Instagram at Lady Potions for You. And we will try and provide um, some discount codes from some of these people that we've mentioned because we believe in their products and we want you to try them as inexpensively as possible. Absolutely. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Fertile Minds Radio, hosted at www.ladyportions.com, where you'll find past episodes, show notes, and free meditations. If you've benefited from what you've heard, leave a comment or review so it makes it easier for others to find this valuable wisdom. Let's help elevate each other. Thanks for listening.